Welcome you all to Renaissance Church. My name is Jared Ott. I'm the executive pastor, and we are so excited because we're starting a new series on the business of giving. Now, when I say that, I know it for many of you, it will be a great encouragement. Our church, this church here, is full of generous givers. In fact, 20 years ago, two decades ago, there are many generous people who are still here who understood that all they had was for the Lord and they gave it back, and that's why we are worshiping in this place here this morning. Many people have been blessed because of the generosity that those folks had and continue to have. Generosity propels Jesus' message down the road through the ministries, the missions, the worship that we have here. So for many of you, this will be a great encouragement for you. Some of us, it may be a challenge to hear because we don't feel like we have anything to give. We give of our time and our talents, but when it comes to giving in the finances, it's a challenge for us. We are fearful, we're afraid, we don't feel like we have enough. Or some others, maybe you will feel frustrated because you feel like, well, that's all the church would ever do is talk about money. In fact, I had a, a friend, a good friend, many years ago who said he doesn't want to go to church anymore because every time he goes, the only thing that the minister ever does was talk about money. Remind me of a story of two men who were stranded on a deserted island. One was really scared, pacing back and forth on the beach, worried and scared that he'll never get off this island. The other was real relaxed. He was laying on the beach, arms crossed, humming a tune. Finally, the one that was panicked said to the one that was relaxed, aren't you afraid that we're going to die on this island? The one that was relaxed said, absolutely not. He said, I make $2 million a year and I give faithfully to the church every week. My pastor will find me, all right? <laughs> we think that the only thing that churches do, the ministers do, or talk about giving. In fact, the reason that we're going to take a few weeks to talk about this is because the Bible speaks so much about giving, so much about finances, now, I know some folks give in their, their, their talents. They give uh, in their time and in various ministries. But the Bible speaks about how we handle our finances, and that's what we're going to spend our, our time in here. There are over 2,000 verses about money or giving throughout the Bible. 2,000 verses. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the, in John, the, the Gospels, one out of every six deals with money or possessions. Amazing. One out of every six. Jesus told 29 parables. 16 of them have to deal with person and his money. So we're spending time on it because the Bible speaks so much about it. Why does the Bible put so much emphasis on money and possessions? Why would Jesus take time to, to talk about it? Because here's the answer. There's a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we handle and think about our money. I'm going to say that again. There's a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think and handle our money. We try to separate the two, our faith and finances, but God sees them as inseparable. 
Now, before we even get going, I, I want to make sure that we all are clear that in no way, shape, or form would we ever say that having money or acquiring money is at all bad. In fact, the Bible speaks about how God is the one who gives us the abilities to produce wealth. Deuteronomy 8, 18. But remember the Lord your God, it says, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Isn't that great? And there are some generous, generous people in this church. God has given us abilities to, to give, to produce wealth. This was seen... Uh, last week when we talked about the marathon, raising money for water in, in Africa through World Vision, and this church gave over $108,000. Isn't that amazing? Yes, that is amazing. It's a generous church. So for many of us, we understand it, but as we move forward, if we want to understand how we give or what we give, we have to first understand why we give in the first place. We give because everything we have comes from God, because the, God has given us resources to use for his kingdom, and the church is the primary means in which God's kingdom advances. Let me show you what that looks like. Matthew 25 is a great parable. It's the parable of the talents. And it says this in Matthew 25, verse 14. It says this, It, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. And we have to stop right there. The man going on a journey. Who is this man? It's a man that's going away, going on a journey. This is an illustration of Jesus Christ going away, going to the cross to die. That's the man going away. That's why in a few moments we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to remember the fact that he died in the cross, that his body was broken and his blood shed. But what did he do before he went away? To one he gave five talents of money, it goes on to say. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent, each according to to his own ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, when you look at the word talent, I think oftentimes we think of a, a particular skill. In the Bible, a, a talent referred to a, a unit of measure. And we could figure out how much a talent is nowadays by, by looking at various scriptures. We know that uh, there was a relationship between a talent and a shekel as described in Exodus 38. We know that, the, that uh, according to the parable of the workers, a denarii is one day's fair wage. So if you multiply your daily wage by 10,000, you discover the value of a talent. In other words, to put it simply, a talent is about 20 years worth of work. 20 years. And keep in mind, that's one talent. To some he gave five, to another he gave uh, four, or excuse me, two, and then another one he gave one. So we're talking about millions and millions of dollars. God does not entrust to us a $5 bill or a $2 bill or a $1 bill. He gives us resources. This is a lifetime of earnings that this man who goes away entrusts to his servants. Now, what I want you to notice here is that it wasn't their earnings. It wasn't that they acquired it. It was the master's money. 
And that's our first point. When we understand why we give, we understand that everything we have, everything we have comes from God. Everything we have comes from God. He's the one that gives us the abilities to produce wealth. He's the one that provides it for us. It's so wonderful to know when we have that mindset. It's easy when we speak about the business of giving. To go on with the parable, it says, The man who received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. Understand this, too, is that the master gave different amounts of money. Five, two, one. It's not a matter of how much we have, it's how we use it. It's not a matter of how much we have, but how we use it. The man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So here it is. We have a man with five talents. He goes out and he he doubles it. He invests it. The man with two talents goes out, he, he doubles it, he, he invests it and doubles it. The one with one talent, what he does is he, he just digs a hole in the ground and buries it. And it says, after a long time, the, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Isn't it great to know that as we remember Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, isn't it great to know that Jesus will come again? Isn't it wonderful to know that he will come again? He's entrusted us with possessions. He's entrusted us with material things. He's entrusted us with so much. He's going to come back. Just like he did, he settled accounts with these servants. He didn't just give them money for their enjoyment. He didn't just say, here's the money and go do whatever you want with it. No, he comes back and holds them accountable. And that's the second lesson. Not only do we need to understand that what we have is given from God, but God has given us resources to use for his kingdom. God expects us to use the resources for his kingdom. It's wonderful that this church has used their resources for his kingdom, the ministries, the missions that are going on here, the stuff happening without, within the community and inside the church. Those are money have been given to use for his kingdom, and so many lives have been forever changed. I think about all those, all those children and people in Africa who now have clean water because of all the money that was given. Those men and women many years ago who said, you know what, we want to have a church right here in Summit who who gave faithfully for us to be here. The one with five doubled it, the one with two doubled it, but the other one, he buried it. He was afraid, wasn't he? He was afraid. He said, I don't want to lose my money. I don't want to give it away, so I'm just going going to bury it. I'm going to keep it. It reminded me of the story of a, of a man who was was really upset with his wife because she was giving money away. And so what he did was, every time he got paid towards the later in his life, what he did was he took out $20 and he, and he shoved it under his mattress. Because he, he didn't want to lose it. And he would, every, every two weeks, he'd take the money out and put it right under his mattress. And finally, he was sick, 
And he was about to die and he told his wife, my one wish is that you take all the money out of my mattress and put it in my casket because I want to take it with me when I die. The wife was furious. But she decided to grant his request. After he died, she took all the money out. She put it in the bank and then wrote a check, put it in his coffin and said, here's your money, honey. Let me know when you cash it because I'm going to borrow it until then, right? (laughs) Afraid that we're going to lose. A lot of us are afraid that we're going to lose. A lot of us feel like we don't have enough to give, so we need to hold on to it. Maybe he felt more secure. Maybe he felt like if he could just hold on to it, there was his security. Some of us look at money as security. That we have it there just in case something happens. You know, Paul wrote very practically about this in his letter to the Corinthian church. In 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. And understand the church in Corinth was a very wealthy church. They were known to have an abundance of possessions. And what he was doing when he was writing to them in 2 Corinthians, he's talking to them about a church in Jerusalem that really needed the money. When the church in Jerusalem really understood the concept of of what they had, they were were using it for God's kingdom. Because in Acts 4, we see this church was was selling all their possessions. They were were giving to everybody who had need. And there there wasn't anybody who had need because they were sharing all of their wealth. Can you imagine a church like that? And so what Paul's doing is he's now writing to the church in Corinth, who is known to be incredibly wealthy. And he's trying to get them to understand that what you have, church, is all given by God, and we need to use it for his kingdom and his glory. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every good, every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. He says he's, he is the, su- supplies the seed to the sower, the bread for food. It is God who's providing for you to have all these resources to increase the harvest of your righteousness. He's expecting that the church in Corinth, will understand that everything they have was given by God to use for his kingdom and his glory. Once we have the right mindset of God and who he is, then it's a lot easier for us to give, just like the the Corinthian church. If we understand that he's the one who supplies the seed and the bread for food, that he's going to increase the harvest of righteousness so that we'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Let me take you back to the parable in Matthew 24. Finally, the, the, the master comes back after a long time, it says. The master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five brought the other five. Master, you, he said, you entrusted me with five. See, I've gained five more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I want you to notice what he says to the one who had five. 
Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, look what he says to the one with two. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. He says the exact same thing to the one with five as he does to the one with two. The exact same wordage. He doesn't um, forget any words. He doesn't take out any words. He doesn't omit any phrase. He says the exact same thing. Well done and good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. It does not matter if we have a lot of money or if we have a little bit of money. It's how we use that money. And the Lord's going to say the same thing to us. It's not about how much you have. It's how you use it. It's how you use it. Both of these men in the story understood everything they have comes from God, so we're going to invest it back into God's kingdom. And it was 100% returned. I was talking to Pastor Christian about this uh, parable. He had told me about how he had mentioned that he was talking about this parable some time ago. And one of his friends who was in finance said, you know, I don't really think that's a very good story. Jesus might have told it a little different. It might have had more of an effect. What he said was, maybe he should have said that the one who had five invested it and it was 100% return and he got five more. The one that had two tried to invest it, but failed. And the one that had one just buried it. Because everybody knows in the investment world, you, you never get 100% return on everything. And I thought, that, that does kind of make sense. Huh? Maybe that would be a better way to, to say it. That we tried to invest it and we failed. Or maybe, maybe Jesus is the master storyteller. Because he understands when we invest back to God's kingdom, every single time it's re- returned 100% of the time. That every time that we invest in God's kingdom, it's 100% returned. There's a 100% investment return on that money. Jesus understood that principle. And that's why he said, both for the five and the two, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Not only did they, they gain more, but they were entrusted with even more money. I'll put you in charge of many things. In other words, if we can handle our finances, if we can understand the view of God, if we can understand that we can give back and we can put it to work in God's kingdom, then God provides us more so that we can be what generous in every good way, that we can increase the harvest of righteousness. That's what Paul has said to the church in Corinth. Paul goes on to say, to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. And the generosity of your contribution is for them and for all others. What Paul is saying is, listen, it's not only, it's supplying the needs of the people, but it's also 
resulting in thanksgiving to God, when we understand that everything we have is his, when we understand that we, he's holding us accountable to invest it in his kingdom, we also understand that the church is the primary way that God advances his kingdom. That's what the early church in Acts 4 understood, that they were a church, that they were here to provide the needs of the people. So many ministries of this church, uh, because of the generosity, so many people have been helped because of the generosity of the people of this church. And if you've ever been a recipient of finances, you've ever been a recipient of a money in the time of need, you know that it does produce some major thanksgiving to God. I know my wife, Deb, and I ran into this many years ago. 20 years ago when we were first married, uh, I was in college at the time. Deb was, uh, had just graduated, and um, we were living in an apartment outside of our college at the time. And it, was a, um, it wasn't the best apartment. Uh, it was a little bit of an unsafe neighborhood. And uh, I remember coming home from college one day, one of my classes, and realized that our, our house had gotten broken into. And they had taken so much stuff. Now, I was a college student, so joke's on them because I hardly had anything in the house to begin with, right? But if you want to take that stereo that doesn't work, fantastic. But when I walked in, there's that sickening feeling that someone's been in your house and the whole thing has been robbed, right? Clothes overturned, lockbox taken, our marriage certificate. So Deb and I don't even know if we're exactly married at this point, but no, everything was taken. And so I remember that sickening feeling. Deb and I had this fear that we, we needed to move, but we had no money to move. We had to get out of there. So I remember praying about it and saying, Lord, we, we, we need money to move. We found another apartment, and um, we couldn't afford the first of last month's payment. And I was working at the church at the time. I was a middle school youth pastor, and I remember going into my office. And there on my desk, now remember, we had not said anything to anybody about having to move or how much it was. There on my desk was an envelope for the exact amount of the first and last month's payment of rent. Deb and I never, ever heard where that money came from. To this day, we don't know how someone found out how much it was or that we actually even needed it. But boy, the thanksgiving that resulted. The praise that resulted because of that. That's what happens when we give. Not only are supplying the needs of people, but it results in thanksgiving. Do you believe that this morning? Do you know that everything you have comes from God, that he entrusts us for his kingdom, and it breaks his heart when we don't? We go back to that parable of talents in verse 24. It says, the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground. Notice what he says to the master. He says, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I was afraid. I was fearful. Fearful I wasn't going to have enough. Fearful that it was going to go away. Fearful that I wasn't going to be happy. I don't know why he was afraid, but we deal with that here and now today, don't we? We're afraid. We're afraid that we're not going to have enough. We're afraid our bank account isn't enough. We're afraid we're not going to have enough for retirement, enough for college, enough to get through the next day. So he hid it. What he says is, he says, I knew you were a hard man harvesting and you're not gathered 
not sown, and gathering we've not scattered seed. But what I want you to notice is what the master said back. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Notice what he says and what he doesn't say. He says, he repeats the same terminology except for one phrase, that he was a hard man. Was the master wrong to be angry? Yes. The master repeated the assessment of the servant word for word with the exclusion of one, man, one word. You knew that I was a hard man. Listen, the sin that this servant had was not mismanagement, was misunderstanding. Was his master hard? He gave him a multi-million dollar gift to an undeserving servant. He honored the two-talent worker as much as the five-talent worker. He stood face to face with both and announced before all the audiences of heaven and hell, well done, good and faithful servant. Was this master hard, infinitely good, graciously abundant? Yes, but hard? Absolutely not. It was once said that the one-talent servant never knew his master. He should have. He lived under his roof and shared his address. He knew his face, he knew his name, but he never knew his master's heart, and as a result, he broke it. Look, the Lord entrusts us with so much. He loves us so much that he died for us. Is he a hard man? Absolutely not. Is he a loving God? Absolutely. You see, when it comes to giving, what our minds say about God is a direct result of how we're going to give. That's the misunderstanding. Once you understand, like the church in Jerusalem did, that everything we have comes from God, and he entrusts us to use it for his kingdom, then the understanding results in the giving. That's what uh, A.W. Tozer says. He says this, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will show that no people has ever risen above its religion, and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than, that, than its idea of God. Giving is pure or base as the giver entertains a high or low thought of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. Uh, and it's not about what he can give at a time or what might he say or do, but what he has in his heart conceives God to be like. That's what the first two servants understood. They understood what God was like, a loving God, a caring God, a, a, somebody who loves them to give them this gift, and they were going to invest it back. The other one was afraid and hid because he thought God was a, a hard man, a hard God, somebody who was going to punish them. Once we understand that everything we have is from God, and he entrusts us to use it for his kingdom, and that the church is the primary means in which he does, then giving becomes all that easy. You know, it reminded me of the story uh, in one of the Gospels. It's recorded in all the Gospels, and we oftentimes will read it or think about it during Palm Sunday. If you know the story of Palm Sunday, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem on his way to the cross, and he, people are waving palm branches, and he's riding on a donkey. But did you ever wonder where the donkey came from? It's recorded in all the Gospels that somebody gave up 
the donkey, for Jesus to ride on. Matthew 21, verse 1 says this, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent his two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. You have to understand, somebody who had a donkey or a colt, that was their primary means of work. That was their, either their transportation, that was what was carrying all their supplies. You don't just give those things up. But here it is, this guy who has a donkey, you never hear somebody arguing about this donkey. It's recorded in all the gospels that the, the, whoever owned the donkey said, once they found out the Lord needs it, they just gave it away. It'd be like having a truck that you use for work and someone coming up and saying, hey, uh, Jared, I need your truck. The Lord told me I needed it. And it's like, here's the keys. You wouldn't do that, right? Unless you understood that everything you have comes from God. That's what this man or this person who had the donkeys understood. When he said the Lord needs it, he freely gave it. And all of us like that man with that 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 colt donkey that he had, all of us have something in our lives which, if given back to God, could move Jesus and his story further down the road. Whatever it's your gift, like that man, whatever it belongs to him, it really does. Your gifts are his, like that like the donkey of that man was his. The original wording of the instructions Jesus gave to the disciples is the proof. If anyone asks you why you're taking the donkey, you are to say, it's Lord is in need. Well, there's so much need we have here at the church, and I know this church is so generous. All the money that's given moves Jesus' message down the road. And I hope that when we come to this idea of the business of giving, we understand why we give, because everything that we have belongs to Jesus that he expects us to use those resources for his kingdom and glory, and the church is the primary way in which he advances the kingdom. I'm excited to be on this journey with you as we continue giving generously so we can continue sharing Jesus' message down the road. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. I thank you for the fact that you have given us so much. Lord, for some of us, it's very hard. It's hard to give. And Lord, you're convicting our hearts this morning. But Lord, I pray we can understand that, we all, that we, what we have is given from you. And Lord, we thank you for those resources. We thank you for providing for us. We thank you too that you died for us, that your body was broken, that your blood was shed, that you love us, that you care for us, that you're gonna supply our needs. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, be with us now as we come to this communion table, remembering what you did on the cross, that your body was broken, that your blood was shed. Thank you for giving so generously to us. Be with us in the moments ahead. I ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen.